This week on Raging Centrist, we discuss Russia's invasion in Ukraine and discuss the implications of supporting Ukraine, whether militarily, financially, and both. I'm your host, Ed Gatens. I'm your co-host, John Delancey. Join us as we fall back to the keep, hold the center, and guard against the predations of the far right and the radical left. This is Raging Centrist. So it looks like we could be setting up a no-fly zone. What do you think? There's a lot of pressure on both sides of the aisle for this one politically. Um, I've read that both uh, parties, uh, Democrats and Republicans, although they are outliers at this point, are actually requesting the no-fly zone. Um, I think it's a dangerous situation. What do it's you think? extremely dangerous. Yeah. It's because if we set up a no-fly zone, that means that our NATO allies and now America has to be patrolling that airspace and that is a direct act of war on Russia. To this point, we've managed to stay out of the conflict in some way. And it really paints us as in a negative light staying out of it. But this is this is really serious. If we set up that no-fly zone, we're toast. We have we're a man, in it. We have a madman on the trigger there with a whole bunch of nuclear weapons, right? That said, um, I did a little research about this no-fly zone, and it's really scary because I don't know if you realized that not only does it cover engagements in the sky, but no-fly zones would also mean that aerial units, allied aerial units, ours, can take out ground positions of Russians that are actually threatening with like surface-to-air missiles. So not only would we be engaging them in the air, but we could be engaging missile installations inside of Russia to you know, have this no-fly zone. And also those convoys, let's not forget about the convoys. If we put planes in the air and we're NATO supporting that military engagement, we're going to have to take out the con uh, the convoys because we can't just turn a blind eye. Yes. You cannot see a major convoy coming in with a direct line of reinforcements coming in for Putin's war effort and do nothing. If it's in for a penny, in for a pound. If you're going to do the no-fly zone, Suddenly, you are engaged militarily across the board. You can't just say, well, we'll give you a little bit of this. Now, supplying weapons, right? That's different. It's it's very much like a proxy war. Well, there may be... Uh, there's a difference there with weapons, though, too. Listen, small arms, rocket launchers, that's one thing. Uh, what Zelensky's pushing for now is the fighter jets from the old Warsaw Pact oh, yes. in Poland... And uh, they have quite a few of them, I, I was reading. Um, that said, I think Putin has already made a comment saying that if we get into that part of supplying munitions to him, like heavy equipment, things of that nature, planes, um, then he would consider that also an act of aggression towards Russia. Uh, we really need to be careful with that proposition, which is getting major push uh, through all avenues of the government. Now, Blinken actually said he would welcome mm -hmm. that. Um, I'm a little concerned about that as well. I'm just going to say what I really think about this. And I know for the seven people that watch our videos, I might get some pushback, but no, we should not do this. No. This is not, it, the optics on it don't look good. Yes, there is the suffering of the Ukrainian people. They are being aggressed upon by Russia. It seems like we should be stepping in and doing something, but no. And it is because the implications of doing so are so large and we also have other nato allies that are smaller states that yes. russia will just say oh you want to go that route okay so uh you know we're just going to go north of ukraine and we'll take over some of your native allies there yes I know. and then we'll be in a full 
scale, boots on the ground, not just planes in the air European engagement. Conflict, yes. And it will it will escalate very quickly and it could include and I know that there's been a lot of talk about this, especially because Putin Putin put his nuclear armaments on high alert. Yeah, the deterrent force. It could be a nuclear engagement, which I mean it besides being scared of it, it's not a good tactical road to go down. No, and also you have to see this as well. Uh, Putin's war is not going as he planned. He thought that he could just, you know, waltz all into Ukraine. And I believe there's an intelligence failure on Russia's part here. Um, I think they'd see, they saw Ukraine as a lot more welcoming to them coming in. And now that they're bogged down, we also have Putin in a bad situation. He's sort of already backed into a corner. We have very strict sanctions going on. American companies left and right are pulling out of Russia. We have a war that's not going well. You know, you never really have to worry about the guy that's winning pulling out the desperate action. It's the guy that's losing, you know, an injured animal yeah, but is going to strike I, back. And and no, wait a minute. And the no-fly zone at this point, um, I think, would be just the extra, like, you know, cherry on top there to push him to the edge to do something rather dumb. Maybe not launch okay. a nuke at us, but maybe he would shell that nuclear reactor over in Europe or... You know, maybe he would let one go in, in you know, eastern Ukraine or western Ukraine. Or maybe Ukraine. supply Iran. Yes. Or another foe. Which... With they, a nuclear armament. And I don't know if you've heard this. This is just coming up this afternoon that Russia, despite... We were still working with Russia on the Iran deal. Um, and everything actually was looking good up until this afternoon. And now Russia has come out and said that they have to actually look into their own interests before they sign off on this deal to propose to us. So there's already some hesitation with Russia working on even other international affairs with us. And that's very, very concerning. It is. I'm going to jump backwards to, to what you had said before. I disagree with just the very first point. I do not think that Putin underestimated the forces. I think that that was strategic planning on his part where he pushed essentially some of his ill-equipped, unprepared troops into the front lines as fodder to see if he could change the optics for his own people to garner support, which didn't work. It backfired in that sense. But I think he was prepared to take a small tactical loss to assess the damage that could be done and the pushback that he would get from the Ukrainian army and the civilians and then know what to bring in. Because if you know, that convoy did not take long to get mobilized and get in there. Now, if it didn't take that long to get that convoy, enormous convoy, mobilized that means that was already in the wings that was ready to go you don't have that type of uh, artillery and everything else i mean that was ready to roll a 40 mile long convoy i heard on some sources other sources said it was 17 miles i think that there's a lot of propaganda well, here's the media fog hype. of war and this fog is the of fog war. of war and we really don't have any decisive facts on what's going on either side of course, Russia says they lost approximately 500 troops, about 1,500 injured. Ukraine's coming back with numbers that are closer to 11,000. Uh, you know, it's probably somewhere in between. And if it's not below Putin to throw some guys out there as cannon fodder, and I sort of yeah. agree with you, you know, there, there could be a different play here. But again, I really don't know. I, I think that to have a drawn-out conflict for Russia is not what they need, especially for but public opinion. At they've home. taken multiple cities so far in a very short duration True. of time. I True. mean, we are talking an armed, a well-oiled armed machine that has gone from Maripol over to uh, Odessa in just a few days, and they've they've managed to kind of 
you know, get those two cities and daisy chain them. There's definitely a chain of logic to the way that the military operation is unfolding, no matter the type of pushback that they get. Everything seems to be unfolding on a schedule. You're talking about, yes, well, a massive force. There is a timetable here. I don't know the timetable. Obviously, no one does except for Putin and maybe his top-ranking officials. Um, They do have to declare victory within a certain period of time because the harshness of the financial sanctions are really going to affect the Russian people. If they can pull out a victory, that is that sort of negates those sanctions, okay? I mean, yes, it's going to hurt the people, but they hey, we got Ukraine. It's part of Russia again. They go back to his supporters, which he does have a strong support base in Russia. People don't like to admit it, but they do. Um and and if he can go back to them with a victory, those sanctions bite a little less said. You you know, you're right on that, but let me take it off this direction and see what you think. I know what I think and then I'll I'll tell you about it. But these sanctions that are being put on there and the pressure to the Russian oligarchs. Do you think that this is even effective at all? No. I do not think no. it's effective, not one bit. And and I have my reasoning. No, they took a couple... I, know, I totally agree with you. They took a couple of yachts. They froze some funds, everything else. I don't think that it's really going to impact Russian policy at this point. I mean, he's all in anyway. I, I'm sorry. You could pull out the if sanctions even more strict than they are now if it was possible, right? Um, which I'm sure there is. Which are just going to hurt the Russian people, the not ordinary the Russian. Yes, not exactly, Putin. exactly. Right. So, um, but he's all in anyway. He's Putin, dude. You can't start something like this and then walk away with a tail between your legs. He wants a victory out of this. These sanctions aren't going to stop him. And also, this will be for another show. China's part in overstepping those sanctions and oh, how yes. they're going to actually backdoor Russia and they're going to get a lot of support, material support from China on this, at least as far as their domestic goods and things and services are concerned. They're going to buy that wheat. They're going to buy that gas. They're, they're going to make fill up the gaps. some of the gap. And they're going to also allow backdoor dealings on another economic platform so Russia will not totally be cut off. Let's talk about those 20 million barrels every month that we're getting 8% of our energy from russia well hey I'm, thanks joe listen i'm no i'm no <laughs> thanks joe i'm no yeah. hater of joe I, I i am not one of those people i want to give too. him the benefit I'm, of the doubt you know I, i'm i'm along the lines i understand i'm a joe a, guy yeah he's a but, he's a moderate guy and i'm a moderate kind of guy myself but he blew it there um i of course maybe he didn't have you know our side didn't have access to the best information as well, too, as far as intelligence is concerned. Maybe he would not have closed down the Keystone Pipeline and done a couple other things if he saw all this unfolding. Well, he had sor- certainly he wouldn't have greenlighted Nord Stream 2. Exactly. You know, and, he, and th- that now you're seeing backpedaling on this stuff. And also, Ed, you got to worry about he's worrying about a constituency of his, which is the hardcore climate left. He can't. By buying the Russian oil, it made it look good for us domestically because we were cutting down the our oil and so forth and so on. But we were still filling that gap. The cars didn't disappear. The plants didn't stop. The plastics were still needed. So he bought the Russian oil to make yeah. it look a little bit better. Now that he's got to go back on that, he's still got to throw something into his little support group of the climate left. He's in a conundrum, but bad move. Uh, buying the Russian oil, no matter what, is just a bad move i just thought at some point there should be not a 180 about face but at least some type of concession where hey look what we've learned from this now look at what germany said olaf right he's like hey we gotta we gotta get a military together yes of course right and yeah it's, it's a difficult conversation especially given germans germany's tattered past with 
militarism and military expansionism um, during that time. But he even he is saying we need we need a military. And if Joe would have looked at that and said, hey, you know what? We we really need oil. I mean, we're going to make that transition. We want to be the first out in green energy. We want to get out and ahead of the pack. But cutting production without a viable replacement for those energies that are needed in a economy that is still going to grow. So that's the thing is like if you're your if your economy if you're stalling your economy, you're taking away that resource and you're expecting that stall, fine. But it's you know, you you would still need to push forward your economy which runs on energy. Yeah, the global scene has totally changed. Um I, I don't think a lot of countries expected this. To be honest with you, I think the Russian thing is is Came out of the blue, too. I mean, yes, obviously, historically, we can sit here and talk about Putin expansionism, things of that nature. But I think this move just at this point in time wasn't on anybody's map. It took the world by surprise. They really did. You know, everybody was shocked. Now, yeah, he was, you know, had the troops up there. I don't even think that China, from what I'm reading, really understood what was going on there. You know, they thought it was a leverage play. And the rest of the world did too. Let's amass our troops on the border. We'll make a leverage. We'll get some concessions out of you, and then we'll go home. You know, um, this going. Well, again, and, we talked about this before. You don't put that kind of resources up on the border. True. It did cost a lot of money. Not, yes. And yes. not act on it. I think personally that Xi and Putin had this in the works. They knew that they were going to. You know, Xi even said, "Wait until after those Olympics." Yeah, you know, that's and true. also you had to wait for after the Para Olympics too, know, right? So China's hosting all of these events. It's going to look terrible on the world stage if they know that these two world leaders are are operating together, knowledgeable of one another's military ambitions and operations, and that you know you're going to get this during the Olympics. So it was like, okay, hold off, wait, and then okay, go, and we'll turn a blind eye and be like, oh, we didn't know this was going to happen. We'll they knew. We'll see how much they plan this if China invades Taiwan later this year. There is plenty more to talk about, but I'm your host, Ed Gatens. And I'm John Delancey. Join us next week for some more topics. This is Raging Centrist. <laughs>